You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to episode 37 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Tom Hiscott, the author of the Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. How about you? I'm all right. Did you eat too many Easter eggs? <laughs> I managed to have one, yeah. So, yeah, good good weekend. Obviously, plenty to plenty to keep an eye on football-wise, and yeah, plenty of plenty of chocolate consumed. How about you? Well, it was it was. It was I can't believe how much football we've got to talk about on this week's podcast. Mm. It's an absolute. It's chock a block, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. If we have, well, put it. It puts the chock. It puts the Easter chock <laughs> into chock a block. Um, yeah, my weekend was very um, was very pleasant. I did manage to catch the um, El Multico. Oh. Yesterday. Now, do you know what the El Multico is? I think I'm aware of which game you're at. You were at, but I don't. That's not something that's uh, ever made it on, onto my radar. So you have to enlighten me. Well, it's it needs to be on your radar because uh, the El Multico is up there with 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 some of the great games of our time, like El Clasico, um, and of course the Coalfield Clasico, which we'll be talking oh, yes. about later in the um, in the podcast. But um, I um, I went to Warminster for their game against Devizes, and um, I, I follow Warminster on social media. They've got a fantastic um, fan site as well as the club site. And one of the debates they're having a few months ago was about changing the nickname of the team from the Red and Blacks to the Malt Men. Mm. And uh, this whole issue with the malt men um, goes back to the history of the town and obviously um, the history of, of malt and brewing. And um, yes, their, their sponsor is uh, Warminster Maltings, um, who produce a, um, a, a beer. And, um, and then, of course, well, beer made me think about Wadworths. Uh, you know, they're obviously famous for their beer. So El Multico was born. Now, I mean, I don't think anybody else has ever called the fixture El Multico. Probably nobody ever will again. Uh-huh. But but I thought I, it, it appealed to me. Anyway, I, I had a very nice time yesterday. I didn't get a chance to watch any of the, the, the Good Friday games. I know that's where we're going to we'll kick off this week's... Um, um, this week's coverage. But um, um, I, that's because I was wandering around Legoland. That's pleasant enough. It was lovely, and I was glued to my Toolstation Western League app um, to look at oh, all yes. the fixtures coming in as um, as I was wandering around queuing for 40 minutes for an ice cream and, and watching the um, Pirates of Skeleton Bay for the third consecutive showing. <laughs> um, but anyway, so plenty of great football to discuss. Um, today's interviews on the podcast are with the Halland manager, Ray Johnston, and also we're going to be speaking for the first time this season to the manager of Bishop Sutton, Sam Downs. Um, but um, without any further ado, Tom, we will start with those fixtures on Friday, Good Friday, of course, while I was wandering around uh, uh, Legoland. And uh, yes, we'll kick off with um, with a seven-goal thriller, a Wiltshire derby. It was one of the games that I talked about on last week's podcast. It is, of course, Bradford Town against Westbury United. Yeah, seven goals, uh, five of them coming for the home side. A big big 5-2 win for, for Bradford over Westbury, who've yeah, come unstuck a little bit of late. Still a fantastic season for them, of course, but uh, yeah, the end of the season's not been too, too brilliant. But for Bradford, uh, a big home win. Uh, Simon Prangley, who's uh, yeah, seems to score a lot of penalties, especially over the last couple of months. Uh, he put them ahead uh, pretty early before Tom Stocks uh, then uh, scored from a set piece to double the lead. Uh, Westbury lost uh, Callum Demkip. Obviously, we know him. He's had a excellent season in front of goal. He was given a, a red card, and uh, yeah, that made their, their, their task obviously a little bit tougher. Uh, Matt Morris extending uh, Bradford's lead soon after. Uh, Westbury did get back into the game. Dan Kovacs uh, at the end of the first half, uh, but Bradford then uh, yeah pushed on after the break. Will Halston. Uh, and uh, he scored twice. 
either side of a goal from Steve Holbert. So uh, Westbury did end with two, but yeah, uh, a big 5-2 win for, for Bradford. Now, our next game features Clevedon Town and the visitors were Hallen. Yeah, Halland. This was the first of their two wins over Easter. Uh, a 2-1 victory away at Clevedon, uh, moving up to 14th following this victory. And yeah, it was a pretty <laughs> pretty frantic start to the game. Sid Camper put in Clevedon ahead after after just 12 minutes before George Binding levelled the scores uh, four minutes later. So it was one all after just 15 minutes. Uh, but then with, yeah, uh, just over 10 minutes left on the clock, uh, Jack Mills was given his marching orders. Uh, so Halland down to 10 men. Uh, but they managed to somehow muster a late winner, Aaron Anglin, uh, netting from the penalty spot to, to hand Halland a 2-1 victory away at Clevedon. Well, as you rightly say, Tom, that was the first of two wins for Hallen over the Easter bank holiday period. So I started my conversation with Hallen manager Ray Johnston by congratulating him on a very happy Easter. Yes, it's a good end of the season. Um, we were languishing about sort of fifth from bottom, and I think those six points have pushed up back up towards mid-table now. So, um, yeah, no, obviously, if you'd have given me those two results at the start of Easter, I'd have bitten your hand off. Yeah, because Clevedon and Buckland obviously have have some pedigree in the um, in the in the Premier Division. Obviously, Buckland aren't aren't very Buckland at the moment. I think it would be fair to say. But you know, you've still got to beat these teams, and um, you're obviously managing to keep your players' attention um, right up until the end of the season. I mean, do you think that with some of the sides in the Western League, there is a, an element that some of the players are on the beach already? Yes, it's a tough time to motivate your players, especially when you've got nothing to play for. But then that's when I suppose. We earn all that money that we get paid, I guess. Um, <laughs> the, as far as God in Cleveland, uh, no one's played as well against us as Cleveland did on Boxing Day. So it was really nice to um, get one back on them because when they, they came to us Boxing Day, they absolutely put us to the sword. I think um, they beat us 3-0 and we were lucky to get nil on the day. Um, so it was nice to get the one back over on them. Uh, regarding Buckland, um, I think they were under strength, as were we, to be honest. However... You know, like you just said, you've still got to beat these teams, and my record against Buckland isn't great anyway. So it, again, it was nice to get nice to get points um, in a game that I felt that we dominated pretty much from start right at the start till till injury time, really. The fixture gods haven't been that kind to you, have they, in April? Because you know, before Buckland and Clevedon, you had Bradford and and Westbury. You know, two sides that are also going well at the top of the yes. table. I mean, I know you lost both of those games, but you you only lost them narrowly, didn't you? And I think on reflection of both games, um, we definitely deserve minimum four points out of those games. How we've lost the Westbury game, I'm still shaking my head about it now, if I'm being honest. We you know, we we were really good on the day and, and it was a bizarre game. I think there was like three penalties in the first ten minutes. It was it was a strange game. Uh, we should have won it. Um, as for the Bradford game, we were good for we we've met in an injury time winner. Um which again was disappointing, but there you go. It's just, you know, you have your ups and downs, don't you? It's um, certainly something I need to look at towards uh, next season because we've let 19 points slip um, in the last five minutes of games over the course of the season, and 19 points onto our tally makes it look a lot better and more realistic. I feel for how we play. You, you're only, I mean, you talk about the 19 points there, but you're only four points off of tenth. Um, and I suppose if I'd have offered you a, a top ten finish this season, would you have taken it? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I, uh, I think the club would have taken it in the sense of I think it's the highest points total we've had for something like seven or eight years, I believe. Um, so I think that you know, especially with all the instability 
that there's been over the last few years, I think they'd have snapped your hand off. For me personally, and the group of players I've got, if I can get everyone available, I'm, the way we finished isn't really ideal for where I want to be. And I hope that the players understand that too and you know, understand that I'll be making more demands from them in terms of um, how we're looking to be next season. So you, you've already got next season in mind? Any manager at any level would, would already have an eye on next season and already start feathering their nest. Um, already start feathering their nest for in, in preparation for next season. So, um, you know, if, if you're doing your job right, you're already speaking to players, you're already in the ear of people and, um, you know, you're looking to build for next season already. I mean, when you reflect on how this season's gone, what's the biggest challenge you think you've faced? Getting everybody available on the same weekend. Um, making fulfilling fixtures, getting more than getting like sufficient players in your squad. It's been quite tough um, trying to like with the logistics of everything. Trying to get, um, I don't think I've named the, the same squad in consecutive games all season. So uh, if everyone's available every week, I'm, I could be a we could be a side to you know put up a fight against anyone. But um, the biggest battle is is trying to make sure everyone's available at the same time. Now, if we have a, have a look at the top of the table, um, it looks like that the, the title race is going right down to the wire. Who, who do you fancy? If, if you ask me who I fancy, I think Willand. I'm, I would really like Plymouth to win the league just because it's so beaten far away. Um, if, just just for, pure, for purely selfish travelling reasons, I would love Plymouth to win it and hope that we never have to go there again. Um, in terms of who I, you know, put, put my, you know, punditry head on, if you will, uh, my, I think I'd be tipping Willand. Now, before we get to the end of the season, of course, there's the small matter for you of a game away at Bridport. Um, and um, I mean, what there's there's added spice to that, isn't there? Because both of you are sort of locked together in the table. So if you beat them, you'll you'll go above them. Yeah, I think they're just a, a bit ahead of us on goal difference. I think at the minute, I think whoever wins finishes twelfth. Obviously, they've got the draw. They've got the draw as well in that. It's a hard game. I like I like the guy down there. Is um, I like the guy Adam Fricker. He's a good guy. Um, played with them before, and they're, they're coming. They're, they're having a strong end of the season as well. I think since they've got the lad Butcher back from Street, I think they've he scored a few goals from them. I think their results have changed dramatically since. So um, that's obviously something we keep an eye on. But yeah, why not? It's a good. It's generally a good surface down there. So we're we'll going there, enjoy it. Um, I'm, there's not really a great deal riding on it in terms of going up or going down. Who we're playing so. Hopefully the lads can enjoy it and then have about six, seven weeks off before we get back into pre-season. Now, I know you're a man who keeps abreast of football politics and um, this season we've seen a few hot potatoes. Most recently, um, we know that there are going to be sin bins introduced into the Western League next season and, of course, we've also had um, some announcements from the Football Association about league reorganisation, which isn't necessarily going to affect the, um, the Premier Division uh, uh, very much, but but I just wondered, do, do you have any thoughts on sort of how the administrators are managing the game at the moment? In terms of the um, sin bin, uh, as, as I believe it, and you may correct me, uh, if, it, if it's a, a sin bin for dissent, then I'm all for that in terms of the playing, uh, in terms of players. If I'm being honest, I I, I probably am hard to deal with from the referee's perspective myself um, but I do encourage my players to don't do as I do do as I say and I don't like my players getting booked and sent off for a dissent um, and to save to save their bookings as such for a 
tactical, you know, or um, a hard tackle. Uh, I think a, a descent, booking descent is, is a waste. So um, if that encourages players to keep their mouth shut, so be it. I know I need to probably look at myself and lead from the front a little bit in terms of what I expect from my team. However, um, however, I think it's a good idea and I fully endorse it. If, as long as the people that are enforcing it um, do their job properly, and that's that's my only that's my only um, that's my only um, question about whether making sure that the actual law is enforced properly. You, you might be difficult to deal with from the referee's perspective, but you're certainly not difficult to deal with from the commentator's perspective. We've got the Les Phillips Cup final coming up. You're going to join me again in the commentary box, and it promises to be an absolute belter, doesn't it? Plymouth Parkway against Woodland. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. For me, um, in terms of when we played against them, I think they're the, they're the two um, teams in our league that I believe are most suited to going up just because I think both of, them, both of those teams are quite robust in their style with, um, with some very good players as well. Um, I think they say that. So for me, in terms of what I like watching football, they're the most sort of experienced or the know-how, the, the bit of nastiness if need be. I think both of those teams have got each base covered that I would like to... Um, that I would like to see. So for me, they're probably the two top sides in terms of going up and it will be the most suited to going up, I believe. And of course, it's going to be an absolute belter of a final with the, with the two oh, of them can't there. Wait. Hope... It, it can't wait. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great game. Um, it's going to be like a really, really big game. Probably the two right sides are in the final um, on the form book. You know, if you were a sponsor, you'd be happy. You know, may the best team win on the day. Um, well, I look forward to your company down in, uh, down in Sherbourne. On um, on May the sixth, I'm, I'm sure the weather will be glorious, and I, I think we'll we'll get we'll get a huge crowd for that as well. But of course, anybody who can't um, uh, attend the Les Phillips Cup final will be able to hear Ray and myself um, uh, uh, on an online commentary. So um, I look forward to seeing you then, and um, thanks very much for your time. No problem. And who wouldn't want to listen to our pearls of wisdom that we offer everybody anyway? Well, I, sir- I think if, I'd even think about not going to the final and actually listening to us instead. Well, I mean, certainly, if, if uh, you listen, if you remember our commentary from last last year, there were three teams in the final because not only did we have Shepton, Mallet, and Buckland, but for, for, for most of the game, I was commentating on street as well. Yes. Yeah, that, that was quite funny. That was a source of amusement for me, that was. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure it was a source for amusement for many people listening. But anyway, Ray, thanks ever such a lot for your time. Well done this season. Pleasure. And um, I look forward to seeing you in a, in a, in a couple of weeks' time. And my thanks to Ray for his time. Now, the final game we're going to look at in the uh, Premier Division on Good Friday featured Shepton Mallet and the visitors were odd down. Yeah, the first of their uh, two home games uh, over the Easter period. This one uh, going in their favour. A big 4-1 win uh, for Shepton Mallet at home to odd down. And uh, yeah, one of the, the star players in, in the Premier Division this season had a had a good afternoon. It was Tyson Pollard. He scored a, scored a hat-trick. Uh, for the home side in their in their big win, he's among the the top scorers this season. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, and, and a successful afternoon on Good Friday for Shepton Mallet. Four one winners at home to Odd Down. So now we take a look at the fixtures in the first division, and we kick off with Ashton and Backwell United. They were at home to Lowly Portishead. Yeah, and uh, it was a it was a close affair this one. Uh, Ashton and Backwell eventually running out winners, but it was uh, two very late goals for them. Uh, a two one victory uh, eventually at home to Portishead. Uh, and it was uh, yeah two uh, pretty 
pretty regular f- uh, fixtures on the score 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 sheet for them. It was Dan Elson and then Callum Townsend. He's their leading leading marksman this season. So uh, yeah, Ashton Backwell, uh, two one winners over Porter's Head. Now, Bristol Telephone's in desperate need for points at this stage of the season. Of course, they're at the bottom of the first division. We will be having a look at the league tables uh, in this podcast to have a, have, a, have a look on, have a check on um, what's going on at both ends of both divisions. But Bristol Telephone's really did need to get something from their game on Good Friday against Longwell Green Sports. Uh, did they manage it, Tom? Unfortunately not. Uh, they managed to, managed to score twice, but Longwell Green obviously having a fantastic end to the season. Uh, scored three, so obviously they yeah running out winners, uh, and it was Courtney Charles scoring twice for the away side uh, in that win. Uh, he had a really good, good Easter scoring in both matches, uh, both away wins for Longwell Green Sports. So this was the first of them, and obviously yeah, as you say, Bristol Telephones desperately in need of points, but uh, yeah, uh, came unstuck three uh, two at home to Longwell Green Sports on Friday. Now, the final game we're going to take a look at in the First Division is, again, another one of the matches that I talked about on last week's podcast. It is, of course, the Coalfield Classico between Radstock Town, the Miners, and Welton Rovers, the pride of Midsummer Norton, the Green Army. This game was played at Southfield's Recreation Ground in front of a crowd of 291, making mm. it the third biggest attendance in the Western League on Good Friday. Only Plymouth Parkway at 421 and Bridgewater Town could muster bigger attendances for this. Two sides really with nothing to play for other than local bragging rights in this game Tom who got them and it went to Welton uh, a 2-1 win uh, away at Radstock their first win at the Southfields in five years so uh, a momentous afternoon for the for the Welton team and their fans obviously yeah a pretty good season for them finishing uh, probably top half and, and Radstock a three match winning run coming into this as well so uh, yeah Welton up against it but they managed to to knock him off. Four minutes into the game, uh, Sam Stoppard uh, gave Welton a yeah, really early lead. With Aaron Sevier then uh, adding a second, 25 minutes from time, so putting Welton uh, in control. Obviously, Sevier having a, a fantastic season. Uh, Radstock did manage to, to get one uh, back, final 15 minutes, uh, but they yeah unable to find an equaliser. Uh, yeah, and this left them needing points on, on Easter Monday, which they did manage to secure to, to make sure they are safe in the division. But uh, the bragging rights on uh, East on Good Friday went to uh, Welton, a 2-1 win away at Radstock. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a Tool Station near you. Now, with a short break to consume uh, a large amount of chocolate, um, we then kicked off again on Monday, the 22nd of April, of course. That's Easter Bank Holiday Monday. And um, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're shamelessly picking from the top table, aren't we, in the, mm. in the Premier Division on this one, Tom. And we're going to kick off with Cribs. They were at home to high-flying Bitten. Yeah, Bitten obviously... Potentially um, not 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 seen in the same light as Willand and and, and Parkway at the moment, uh, but they are <laughs> absolutely in this title race. Uh, a three 0 win for them away at Cribs. I think the toughest game on paper for them uh, of the of the three sides who played yesterday afternoon. And uh, yeah, a fantastic another fantastic win for Bitten. Uh, I can't believe they're still sitting third, but but they are at this stage. And it was Ben Bamman, another talking of incredible. He's had a, a brilliant season in front of goal. And he scored a hat-trick for the away side. 
the first came coming in the first half and then twice in the final 15 minutes. So it was a, there was only a one goal uh, deficit for much of the game, but yeah, a bit pushing on towards the end and Bamant scoring twice in the in the closing stages to wrap up the victory. Uh, the second of those, uh, a, a brilliant overhead kick. I think there's a few images, at least on, on social media, doing the rounds. Uh, to, so if you could check that out, yeah, if you want to, then that's then that's possible. But yeah, another brilliant win for Bitten, and they uh, yeah very much keep up keep up with the top two. Now moving on to the next in this three horse race, and it is of course Plymouth Parkway. They had a tricky trip into Somerset, where they had to take on Shepton Mallet. They did, and they had to take on Tyson Pollard, who obviously we mentioned earlier in the in the in the show, uh, and they managed to to keep him out. Uh, a two 0 win for Plymouth Parkway away from home, so a clean sheet and another another good afternoon in front of goal for them. Uh, and it was goals either side of the break, uh, helping them to to victory. Shane Crack in the first half uh, before Adam Carter. Uh, he's uh, yeah seems to be scoring more often than not. Uh, he scored after the break uh, to hand them a two 0 win and uh, maintain their position at the top of the table going into the final week. And finally, the, the third of our top three sides, Willen Rovers against Wellington. It's the Clive Jones derby. Mm-hmm. He lives in Willen. He manages Wellington. How did he get on in this one, Tom? Uh, not too well. Uh, a 3-0 defeat for Wellington. Obviously, they had their big their, their victory on, on Good Friday. But, uh, yeah, uh, very much uh, yeah, beaten by the, by the better side uh, on Monday. Willen running out 3-0 victors. Uh, and it was, yeah... Uh, goals from Brad Orsden, Luke Olden, and then pretty late on, it was Dean Stamp wrapping up a third. And, uh, yeah, a big win uh, at Silver Street, leaving Willand. Uh, well, I'm not going to say the driver's seat. They've got two games they've still got to win and obviously exceedingly tough fixtures, but we will we'll look ahead to that. But they, uh, yeah, continue their winning run and, uh, yeah, a 3-0 win for them over Wellington. Excellent stuff. Uh, now we move on to the First Division and we kick off with the Battle of the Bishops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, and down at Cuffleston Road, which is becoming a well of late, it's become a bit of a fortress for for Bishop's Lydiard. Uh, a three 0 win uh, over Bishop Sutton, giving them their fifth successive uh, victory at home. Uh, so yeah, pretty pretty impressive record to to end the season. I hope to take that into uh, 2020. Uh, and it was great finishes from Brian Brereton uh, in either half, uh, helping them to to victory in this one with a debutant Cahal Robertson then adding a, a brilliant free kick which is definitely on social media because I checked that out yesterday uh, he completed the scoring and yeah another another really good win for Bishop's Lydiard well we haven't had a chat with the Bishop Sutton manager yet uh, on the podcast this season so I thought whilst the the weeks and the matches ever away it was a good time to get Sam Downs on the phone and uh, we started our conversation by reflecting on what's been a challenging season for the Somerset Club we seem to um, have been a bit of an up-and-down season um, where we seem to get some good results against the top eight sides but um, don't seem to get the, the results that we want with the teams in and around us. But it's been difficult for us as a side, especially when I first took, took over, um, trying to get the same squad of players to try and build, to get the same con- continuity with the same team. It's been very difficult. Because you took over mid-season, didn't you? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, took over mid-season, um, just, just just before Christmas. Um, we are going through a period where a couple of our players were um, sort of getting poached off us from a few teams above, which obviously you can't, can't do too much about when the team above you sort of looking to get your sort of best players. So I sort of took over trying to try and keep them players at the club, but unfortunately didn't, didn't manage to keep... All of them managed to keep um, a good good bunch of them, uh, which still have 
sort of six or seven of them players now, which obviously is great. But um, then I sort of had to rebuild a whole squad sort of over that Christmas period, which was which was quite difficult to do. But um, it's also been quite enjoyable. <laughs> Uh, so if we look at the fixtures that have just gone, um, obviously we've had the bank holiday weekend um, double header, um, and um, on Monday you came up against um, um, Bishops Lydia. It was the battle of the bishops. Uh, you came off second best. Um, was three nil a fair scoreline? Do you think? Personally, um, first half we sort of conceded an early goal after six minutes with um, a, a mistake, um, sort of switched off at the back, um, but then. So if we went in at half-time feeling that we should have probably been levelling the game. Um, and then came out in the second half quite confident. And um, Bishop Lidia, our goalkeeper, made a great save um, at 1-0 to keep sort of Bishop Lidia in, in the lead. But then um, Bishop Lidia scored two unbelievable goals in the second half. One was from a dead ball, sort of from sort of 25 yards out straight into the top corner, give our keeper no chance. And then the, their third one was probably even better. It was sort of on the on left foot strike hit the crossbar sort of three times, bounced on the line and went straight in. So it was sort of, couldn't really do much about it. But overall, Bishop City was probably the better team on the day and they deserved the three points. But like I said, at halftime, sort of fine lines at this level. Um, and it's sort of, they had the rub of the green on the day, really. Now, you fared much better against Cheddar on Good Friday. Of course, Cheddar, high-flying Cheddar, they were at the time going for, they were still going for the league title. So... Which is the real Bishop Sutton? The Bishop Sutton that turned up against Cheddar or the Bishop Sutton that, um, that lost out in the Battle of the Bishops? We'd love to say that we're the team that Bishop, who um, played against Cheddar on the Friday um, because we seem to do very well against the teams who are sort of at the top in sort of fighting sort of for the top six for the FA Cup and stuff. Um, and we seem to sort of raise our game against them teams, which if we, if we turn up um, like we did on Friday against Cheddar, we can beat anybody in the league, but... It's sort of like I said earlier in the in the call. It's sort of the inconsistent of sort of the squad, the players, which makes it quite difficult sort of going down sort of to But yeah, so it's it's difficult. But like I said, it's just sort of getting that squad together to work with, and then we can push on with that squad. But yeah, if we if we were a team we were against Cheddar, we'd, we'd probably be out there as well with most of the other teams. Um, just moving away from um, Bishop Sutton now, just thinking about Cheddar and Canesham. I mean, Canesham have already secured the league title. Um, I mean, d- are they your two standout teams um, this season, or has any other sides caught your eye? Um, yeah, I think you sort of looking at the league and tell sort of both teams um, out there with like great sort of a battle throughout the whole season. They've both been up there, and it's not just been sort of this season. It's been like sort of the last couple of seasons they've been building something good at Cheddar and sort of good at Kingston as well which you can see that this year that they are the two outstanding teams in the league which yeah you can only say that it's only going to be one of them two who's going to win the league you know what I mean um, but yeah they've both got sort of solid solid back, um, back four they've got a creative midfield which like to get on the ball and confident, confident and they've got players up front who can put the ball in the back of the net which is quite difficult to find at this level. Um, you've got Welton Rovers away on Saturday. That's uh, that's your last league game of this campaign. Are you, uh, are you? I assume you're looking to finish on a high. Yeah, so we're looking to um, go into Saturday's game and sort of enjoy the game because sort of the last couple of weeks, sort of the lower last 10 games have been sort of quite pressurised in the sense of obviously like a bit of a battle down there. We've only lost three of our last, our last 10 and sort of we can 
play with a little bit of freedom on Saturday where we know we're safe now, where we can sort of enjoy the game more so than, more so than anything. Obviously, you've got that game on Saturday, but have you started to think about next season already? Yes, sort of. Been thinking about obviously, sort of looking sort of last couple of couple of weeks and stuff. We've sort of trying to get different players back, getting players back in into the club, which, which which I know from previous experience being at the club and trying to get lads that um, are committed from sort of this season to try and look for next season. But um, my my circumstances have changed slightly because um, my wife's pregnant, so I've also got to make sure that um, next season if if it's sort of me doing it or whoever's going to be coming in to do it, needs to make sure I've got a strong team behind me which I can trust and I can push forward with and have that side of my, my life sorted before uh, I make any sort of decisions, really. And one final question for you, Sam. Um, obviously, this is the first time we've spoken to you on the on the podcast, so can you tell us a little bit about your footballing journey? What's led you to the Bishop Sutton dugout? I sort of started with Bishop Sutton sort of seven years ago when they won the league, sort of stayed around the football club got involved with you know, the backroom staff at the club as well, so I've started with just doing a little bit of coaching and stuff. Got involved with the assistant management role, sort of as whilst I was playing, because I was always interested in sort of doing the coaching side of it. And then, yeah, obviously got the opportunity this year to um, manage manage the team, try and learn a little bit more about sort of that side of the game, which um, I'll be the first person to say um, not everything's gone to plan this year, but... I've enjoyed every single bit of the challenge um, and I've learned an awful lot on the way, which is only going to put me in good stead going forward as a manager and a player because as a player, you see it on Saturday, you turn out, you play your game, that's what you have to worry about. But as a manager, everything else you have to worry about, have to worry about obviously how the game's planning out, what you need to do next, how you're going to change different scenarios. So yeah, I've learned quite a lot in that sort of scenario, really. And my thanks to Sam for his time. Now we move on um, to another one of the top sides in the first division. Still a team with everything to play for, coming up against one of the form sides in the first division. Cheddar taking on Corsham Town. Yeah, two of our top sides. I mean, Cheddar coming out a 3-2 victor over Corsham. But uh, yeah, very much having to do it the hard way. Uh, coming from two goals down. Um, and it was the away side winning six on the bounce coming into this one. So they were probably carrying the better form. And, uh, yeah, it was Ben Pring scoring either side of the interval uh, that gave them a two-goal lead and, and probably it looked, looked like it had set them up for another win. Uh, but uh, Cheddar, uh, with plenty still to play for, as you mentioned, uh, they, they hit back. Uh, and it was their usual goal-getters uh, who uh, came to the fore in this one. Uh, Adam Wright uh, firing home a free kick uh, to reduce the arrears before Adam Jones, his uh, yeah, strike partner, uh, beat three defenders on his way to goal uh, before slotting in an equaliser. Uh, and then it was the fifth and final goal of the game. Uh, went to Cheddar and it went to Mr. Wright. So, uh, yeah, uh, a long-range lob uh, nestling in the back of the net. And, uh, yeah, handing Cheddar a 3-2 win and a fantastic game. And so, uh, yeah, they ran out 3-2 victors over caution. And finally, uh, in the first division, we can't let this episode of the podcast go without dossing our cap to our new first division champions. It's Canesham Town. They had to get something from their game against Ashton and Backwell, Tom. And I suppose I've let the cat out of the bag mm-hmm. by um, by um, by telling you that they're but the, <laughs> they're the champions. They are indeed. Uh, maximum points. A two-one win uh, home to Ashton and Backwell. Obviously, not the easiest of uh, opponents for them. Uh, in what, what is a what is always a tough game to get over the finishing line, as Norwich is showing at the moment in the in the championship, a couple of draws recently, uh, but Canesham managing to get the job done, a two-one win, and uh, yeah, but it was uh, it was um, obviously a tough battle with with Cheddar over the past couple of months, uh, but they'll they'll 
They'll be flying their trade in the in the Premier Division next year, Kensham. Uh, another another good win. Scott Saunders putting them ahead uh, in the 20th minute, uh, and then a, a second pretty soon after from Matt Brown uh, from the penalty spot. So uh, yeah, giving them a 2-0 lead. Uh, Ashton did manage to to get one uh, 10 minutes from time. Obviously setting up a pretty pretty nervy finish for Kensham. Uh, but yeah, with the really big crowd there to to wheel them on uh, they managed to do it and uh, yeah as you say celebrations I'm sure have begun and they are the uh, the, the first division champions so congratulations to Kensham yes congratulations to everybody at Kensham Town uh, especially their manager John Allen who's been um, very um, supportive um, of the podcast this season of course we had John on last week and had I had my crystal ball and a little bit more forethought mm-hmm. I would have I would have held that one over to this week so John could have reflected on um, a job well done but um um, as with as is the case with many of our managers, it's not always easy to get hold um, of them, and it, it it took quite some doing um, for me to find some time to speak to John, which I'm really pleased we did do last week. But I think that we need to give give him an opportunity to reflect thoroughly on the season without the pressure of of the weight of expectation on his shoulders, which of course it very clearly was last week. But um, hopefully we'll get him on in the next couple of weeks and give him an opportunity to really reflect on a job well done um, for Kensham aside that had been there or thereabouts for quite some time and finally managed to get over the over the line. And we will, of course, be talking about all matters to do with promotion and relegation shortly on the podcast. We will be having a look at both league tables. Um, but before we do that, we'll have a quick look at the fixtures coming up. It's our last round of... Um of fixtures. Now, I will be getting Tom's take on the top t- uh, on the top fixtures uh, for Saturday, uh, April the 27th. We don't tend to dwell too much uh, in the midweek game simply because um, the vast majority of people who listen to the podcast we know don't tend to listen uh, before the midweek games have been have been played. Um, but there are two very important midweek games coming up this week of all weeks. Wednesday, the 24th of April, uh, in the Premier Division, Will and Rovers they have. Their game in hand. It's at home. It's against Bridgewater Town. It's a 7:30 kickoff, and of course, if they win that match, and they will return to the top um, of the Premier Division table with a big game coming up at the weekend. Uh, in the First Division, um, aside looking at, the, at, at completely the different end of the Western League, and it's Chippenham Park. They're at home. They're it's, a, it's their game in hand as well. The visitors are Carn Town, near neighbours, and of course, and we know how well Carn. Um, have been doing this season, but Chippenham Park really need um, to get something from that match um, to lift them out of the bottom two. But um, we will take a look ahead to our last round of fixtures. It's Saturday, the 27th of April. Tom, what takes your eye in the Premier Division? (laughs) There's only one game. I mean, as luck would have it, two of our uh, Premier Division title chasers meet. Uh, we've got Bitten versus Willand. Obviously, as you say, we are recording before Willand's midweek game, so that plays a huge part in in what will be at stake on Saturday. But we do know these two teams, uh, whatever the case, will be <laughs> will be capable of, of of winning the title on Saturday afternoon. So what a colossus uh, match we have on our hands! Uh, I expect a pretty pretty huge crowd to be be down there. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I mean it doesn't really get bigger. Obviously, uh, yeah, Bitten. But well, both teams carrying huge form into this one. There could be so well, there will be so much on the line. So yeah, that 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 takes my eye straight away. And for me, I shall be going for the other show in town. Uh, it's um, 
chipping Sodbury against Plymouth Parkway. Plymouth obviously need Bitten to do them some kind of favour on Saturday if they're going to um, to take the title. But, of course, they've got to get past Chipping Sodbury Town first. And Chipping Sodbury have been known to pull the odd cat out of the bag. So, um, um, certainly, the tension, you couldn't write it. It's got more mm-hmm. drama than Downton Abbey. Uh, now, moving on to the First Division, and there's still plenty to play for in the First Division. Tom, what game tickles your fancy down there? Yeah, so I think we're looking at the uh, other end of the the table in the first division. It, it looks well, obviously. Bristol Telephones uh, confirm relegation, unfortunately, uh, following another defeat on, on Easter Monday. But we've got Chippenham Park and Oldland, who drew two all yesterday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, one of them had the chance, well, each had the chance to, to take a, a big stride in, in, in saving themselves, but neither quite managed it. Chippenham Park coming from two goals down to claim the two-all draw. And they now both have, well, huge games uh, on the weekend, both away from home. So Oldland are away at Calm uh, and Chiffin and Park are away at Warminster, which is obviously a very tough, tough encounter. So I think Chiffin and Park will definitely be needing something from that midweek game, uh, which you've just mentioned. So, yeah, those are the, the two matches with the, the most at stake on Saturday. And uh, I'm going to go for a game at the opposite end of the table. Um, Portishead are already safe, but uh, Cheddar really need to win every match they possibly can. Their fight is not with any other sides in the Western League. It is on that points-per-game basis um, will govern whether or not they are promoted into our Premier Division. And with that in mind, they will need to get maximum points against Portishead to stay in the hunt. Um, for promotion. Um, And that really is a nice little segue into doing the league tables. Plenty to talk about, even though many of the matters of promotion and relegation have seemingly been resolved. Tom, do you want to take us through the runners and the riders in the Premier Division? (laughs) Yeah, lots at stake, as we mentioned. Um, Yeah, lots to break down. So, uh, obviously, as we mentioned, Willen's still with that game in hand against fourth place Bridgewater, so not an easy one. Uh, on Wednesday, but so as things stand at the top of the Premier Division, uh, following Easter Easter fixtures, we have got Plymouth Park where they're top 37 games played, so one remaining. They have 92 points. Uh, we've got Willen then in second, 36 games played. They're on 91. Uh, we've bitten also on 91. They played 37. Uh, goal difference-wise, uh, Willand uh, looking like the the team that could, if it came down to that, which I mean, well, if it it could, uh, they've got a, a yeah a pretty hefty goal difference advantage over their two rivals. So uh, yeah, uh, that's that's how things ride at the top of the top of the Premier Division. Bridgewater, as we say, in fourth, uh, two games remaining. They've got 78 points, and then Westbury, uh, they're comfortably in fifth with 71 points. So as we say, little blip towards the end of the season, but they've had a Fantastic first season in the Premier Division. Uh, at the bottom, uh, it's it's Shortwood. Uh, 37 games played. Uh, they have the nine points. Uh, and then Hengrove, also uh, relegation uh, this season, unfortunately. 37 games, uh, 21 points. Uh, and then Brislington and, and Roman Glass and George just doing enough there on 28 points and 31 points, respectively. One thing I noticed... Um about looking at the form tables, you can see that there is a stats page on the Toolstation mm. Western League website. And one of the interesting things about the form tables is that um, Bitten are, I would say, the form team out of the three at the top of the Premier Division on the grounds that in the last six matches they've only drawn one. They've won the rest. Will and Rovers, of course, have won five, but they've lost one. And then if you look at Plymouth Parkway, they've drawn two in the last six. So that does mean that Bitten are, uh, are the form team. But really, whether or not there's enough football to be played between um, now and the uh, the end of the season for that to make a massive difference to Bitten um, only remains to be seen, really. it's um, It really is... Um, you couldn't predict it, but as you said earlier in the podcast, Tom, 
um, um, you know, they're well and truly in the race, and it is mm. a it is a fascinating three horse race. Three horse race. So much rests on that game between Willand and Bridgewater, but um, of course, just despite the result there, it doesn't really doesn't really matter. It's going to go down to the final day. I've been doing a little bit of homework. Oh, good. I always and, like it when you do that. And I know. I know. Normally, I let you do all the heavy lifting, <laughs> but um, I, th- I mean, this does have the potential to get me in horrendous trouble, quite possibly mm. even with the Western League, and most certainly with the Football Association. So I'll choose my words carefully. But to the best of my knowledge, um, only one side will be promoted out of the Premier Division. Now, that probably won't come as news to many of the people listening to this. And um, the reason I say it is because. That, um, of course, last season, the top two went up into the Southern League. Now, there were certain issues surrounding um, um, surrounding um, whether two teams could be promoted. But on, 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 uh, on this occasion, my understanding is that, that only the top team will be promoted. In terms of the, the, the fate of the bottom two, um, to the best of my knowledge, again, um, I believe that it is the case that Hengrove and Shortwood United will not be playing their football in the Premier Division next season. Now, I know that that, that, that to sound, will like stating the, sound like stating the obvious. Um, in, in seasons gone by, of course, they would have been simply relegated into the First Division, but we don't live in simple times. and We live in, a, we live in the, uh, the brave new world of the Football Association's reorganisation, and that does include the prospect of lateral movement, which means that they could end up being put into a different league system. Now, in fairness, actually, that's a fate that could affect um, pretty much any side um, in the Western League, as we saw last season, um, when, of course, Almondsbury were taken out of the uh, of the First Division and moved into the Hellenic League. So not the matters of promotion and relegation, not always quite as simple as um, as we would uh, we would like to believe and believing in the um, in the in the final league table, which is, of course, really how we would all like these matters to be resolved. But if you think that's complicated, which in fairness, it isn't, uh, it does start to get even more complicated when we go down to the first division. Canesham have been um, uh, crowned as our champions, Tom, but um, how are how are things stacking up below them? So, uh, in second place, obviously, Cheddar, uh, 37 games played, so one remaining. They're on 84 points. So, obviously, Canesham have reached the 90-point barrier uh, with their one game uh, remaining. So, they've, yeah, 90 points from their 37 games. Cheddar, six points further back uh, in second. Corsham are then definitely going to finish third. They've played 37 uh, they're on 69 points, which is a yeah absolutely fantastic effort, and that sets them up really well for next season. Uh, and then the two teams that are battling for fourth on the final day, we've got Longwell Green uh, and Ashton and Backwell United. Uh, both played 37, both on 64 points. So uh, brilliant tallies for them. Uh, and then Chard uh, on 60 points, and Warminster, who've made a fantastic effort over the second half of the season. Uh, they're on 59 points with one game uh, remaining. So, yeah. Uh, that's how it looks. That's the top seven. Uh, and then at the bottom, obviously, as we mentioned, Bristol Telephones, uh, they they are relegated. Uh, 37 games played uh, and they have 24 points. Uh, chipping apart, then 36. Obviously, their game in hand in midweek uh, plays a huge bearing on who will eventually go down. They've got 31 points currently. Uh, and then a, a further point ahead of them is Oldland. Uh, 37 games played, 32 points. So their game on, on Easter Monday against one another really was... Absolutely huge, uh, and it ended in the stalemate. So that's uh, yeah, those two are the the two that can still uh, get relegated mathematically, and uh, obviously Bishop Sutton, Porter's Head, and Radstock uh, doing just enough to to survive the drop. 
Absolutely. Now, of course, matters of promotion and relegation in the uh, in the first division even more complicated, as I said, than uh, <laughs> in the uh, in the Premier. We know that Kenshin are up. That's banked. You can you can bet your house on that. That's not that's not changing. But the fate of Cheddar is something that um, that is yet to be resolved. Um, all we can say is that um, Cheddar just got to keep winning. If they can keep winning, then um, they put themselves uh, in a good position. Um, um, to uh, to be promoted, but there's nothing. There's no guarantees. Um, of course, back in the day, um, finishing second in the first division was enough to guarantee a place in the Premier Division. But but again, these matters have been taken into the hands of the Football Association, who are undergoing quite a major restructuring around the country. This isn't just related to our league or indeed our region. Um, and of course, matters at the bottom of the table. We've been talking about Bristol Telephones, and um, we don't know whether. Um, it'll be um, Oldland Abertonians or Chippenham Park um, that will join them in those uh, in those bottom two positions. Um, but even finishing bottom two, as we know from Portishead and Warminster last season, is no guarantee of relegation out of the Western League. These matters are resolved by the league's committee that meets in the second week of May, and they will look at. Um, some recommendations based on the uh, the rules set out by the um, um, by the football association that govern promotion and relegation across the national league system, and uh, and they will consider what that means. Now, of course, if there's if those matters are relatively straightforward, um, then actually. Um, then, um, then uh, we we can sort of anticipate what might go on. But of course, there is there under certain circumstances, all bets are off, and that really is largely affected by whether teams go out of business or, or as we know, has happened with Street recently. Of course, Street champions of our league last season have reapplied, um, have um, have applied for relegation, voluntary relegation from the Southern League. So. Those issues um, affect the league system across the board, and they're like ripples in a pond. They don't necessarily have to imp- imp- impact immediately on the Western League, but but matters of promotion, if concentrated in um, certain regions, could could spill out across the country, pushing sides laterally um, into other divisions if ultimately too many or too few teams um, have been promoted or relegated into those into those systems. One of the things we do know is that come hell or high water next season, there will be 20 teams in the Premier Division and 20 teams in the First Division. We won't be getting a situation where we go back up to 22 in the first, I am assured. Um, but really, other than the fact that the league's committee will look at the situation in the second week of May, it's very difficult to know whether Cheddar are going up or indeed whether Bristol Telephones AN and AN other are going down. But of course, we will um, we will do our best to keep you abreast of these developments as they happen. Very exciting time um, for the um, uh, for all of these clubs in in some respects. Um, also nail biting for others who've worked so hard this season to try and um, secure their position in the league or perhaps um, achieve promotion to another and, and aren't yet able to celebrate. We've heard in recent weeks from managers who find that situation very very frustrating indeed, and our sympathy is with them. But um, it's it's um, it's one of those things where. These matters perhaps aren't being, at the moment, for, at the moment at least, aren't being settled on the football pitch. But anyway, we'll see whether that situation develops uh, over the coming over the coming weeks. Anyway, that's that's enough from me. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have plenty to talk about on next week's podcast, won't we, Tom? But I mean, we've been reviewing not one but two of your bulletins. Oh yeah, uh, a couple. Of, yeah, pretty busy, busy Easter period. Obviously, got one out on uh, Friday evening. Or yeah. Uh, and then also on Monday evening. So, uh, yeah, a couple of bulletins on the website, uh, both downloadable. 
uh, as as PDFs and Word doc, uh, Word documents. So yeah, they, they should both be uh, fully loaded onto the uh, Toolstation and Western League website. And have you penned your column for this week's non-league paper? Yeah, so that was uh, looking back on Good Friday Premier Division fixtures. So uh, yeah, that went in the paper for Sunday. So that would have been in the set five and six section. Yeah, excellent stuff. Now, Tom, next week we look forward to bringing the listeners the. The exciting conclusion to this season's Toolstation Western League. But, uh, well, from Tom and myself, this you have been listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast. <laughs>